Interesting morning around Tyler. Today I was concerned, saw last night and this morning early a thunderstorm coming, hideaway, Tyler. I said, Lord, I don't want to drive in all of that and all our people have to drive in all of that. I just pray for you, clear it up. And it was clear when I started down here and wet. But I got down on 49 and all of a sudden things white everywhere, both sides of the road, the banks, just snow white, like it snowed. You know, so much hail. But the Lord is in control of all that. It wasn't due to global warming <laughs> north and south of that particular area out there, you know. The Lord is in control of it. Well, the overcomers versus the overcome, as Roger has spoken of, First John chapter 3. At first, at first John chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And I will move back and forward there through the verses somewhat. <clears throat> but I'm going to start reading in verse uh, 1 of chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. And this is the love of God that we should, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whatever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pray together. Holy Father, we love you, Master, and we're grateful that you're Lord of all of our lives in all the situations of our lives, all the seasons, your Lord, you're our God, our Father, our Master, our Sustainer, and we're grateful, Father, and we praise you. We're grateful, Father, for the privilege of being here today to worship you, to study your word, to sing your praises. We're grateful, Father, for all the many blessings. Lord, as we gather here, we remember Ted and his family and his father, Marty, being ill for so long. And maybe today is the day you receive him unto yourself. That's in your hands, as it's always been with him and with us. But Lord, even though we know when our loved ones are going to slip into your presence. It's hard on this side. It's hard. So I lift Ted and Christy, all of the family, the grandbabes, all of them up to you. His mom. Lord, comfort them with that comfort that only you give. 
and bless them through these uh, heart-rendering days. Bless us, Father, as we worship you together, because that's why we've come, <laughs> Lord, to worship you, to hear you speak to our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you take these words off this page and write them with the indelible ink of the Holy Spirit across our souls as we study them this day. All of thee, none of me, for your name's sake, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Apostle John speaks very clearly about the commandments of God and their importance relative to one's spiritual condition. You know, when we are out maybe sharing our faith or whatever, we've never, you probably never have, I've never walked up to someone and say, tell me what you think about the commandments of God or where do you stand in relationship to the commandments of God. But John holds forth the high importance that the commandments of God are in relationship to one's spiritual condition. In fact, one's relationship to the commandments of God is indicative either of the presence or absence of a personal relationship with God. One's opinion, one's relationship to the commandments of God is indicative of the presence or absence of their relationship with God. They either have it or they don't. And their relationship to the commandments of God, the Apostle John holds forth as indicative of the presence or absence thereof. 1 John 2, 3, 2 3, 3, verses 3 through 4. We'll go back through some of the verses we've studied. Hereby do we know that we know. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Off the pages of Scripture, hereby we know that we know. <laughs> That's good, you know, to know that we know. Hereby we know that we know if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar. Truth's not in Him. So hereby we know we know if we keep His commandments. There this we see clearly, John speaks point blank in our face. What's your relationship with the commandments of God? If you're a keeper of the commandments of God, that means you know the Father. If you don't, I care what you say, it means you don't. One that knows God, one is in personal relationship with God as the Father, as their Father. He has a different heart attitude towards the commandments of God than those who do not. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, the second part. His commandments are not grievous to the person that's born of God, the person's in relationship with God as a God their Father. The commandments of God are not grievous. That word grievous is barus. It's a little Greek word. It means heavy, weighty, oppressive. <laughs> the commandments of God to the born of God person are not heavy, weighty, oppressive. But... That word actually describes what the world thinks about the commandments of God. They hate all those thou shalt nots. <laughs> Why do they hate the thou shalt nots? Because they cut right across the grain of the flesh. 
Those Christians say you can't do anything. Those things they're saying you can't do are all the things that I love to do. They cut across the grain of the flesh. But our text says to the child of God, that person born of God, matter one boy or girl, the commandments of God are not grievous, heavy, burdensome, weighty. So when a person's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God and comes to God in saving faith, that person is forever changed. And their relationship to the commandments of God is forever changed. They were on the outside looking in and saying, wow, that's too oppressive. Now they're on the inside and saying, wow, these are not oppressive. These commandments of God, they're actually laws of love. God has put a parameter around us to keep us in the yard. You need to buy these things for, you got a dog that runs outside, you can put this thing on top of your house, and put this little thing on his neck, and he gets too far over, you know, and it does this. And he goes back over here, and does this. That's the commandments of God that keep us in the yard of God that God intends for us to live in, and we don't obey, disobey Him by getting outside. That's what the commandments of God, they're protected through the laws of God to protect us. And once a person's born of God, regenerated by the Spirit of God, coming to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're forever changed. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. All the old things are passed away. Behold, old things, old things become new. What a wonderful thing. When we're born of God, all things become new. And part of that newness is a regenerated heart. And the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is, by the way, an antitype of the type that was contained in the prophecy to Israel. Ezekiel 36, 26. The Lord says, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit I'll put within you. I'll take away that old stony heart, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. That's what happens to us when we're born of God. We get a new heart. And there's a new presence in our lives, the Holy Spirit of God. And secondly, a believer's love of God is demonstrated then by obedience. That's it. If we obey God, it's demonstrating that we love God. And you know what? If you're tempted with some particular whatever... And you say, I'm going to do that just this once. You know what you're really saying to the Father? I just don't love you that much just this moment. I love my flesh and my fleshly appetites this moment more than I'm loving you at this moment, Father. That's what it's all about. Because obedience to God is demonstrating love for God. I had a hard time explaining it to my daddy. <laughs> any justification I might have had to disobey him and some of his instructions. It was difficult. He did not like it. <laughs> he didn't appreciate my philosophical opinion about why I did this or that. This is the love of God. First part of that verse, 5-3. This is the love of God, that we obey his commandments. And, and John, in that phrase, when you look at that phrase closely, John is equating... Obedience with love. 
or love with obedience. It's equating. This is it. This is the love of God that we obey Him. And there's no other way. Is some song like that? There's no other way but to what? Trust and obey. Well, John says he must have wrote that. <laughs> so obedience to the commandments of God is a mark of genuine conversion. It identifies those of us who love God. How do you love a God you don't know personally? We know him because he's redeemed us in Christ the Lord. Thus we know him, and because we know him, wow, we love him, and because we love him, we obey him. It's equated together. But as I saw last week, love for our siblings is also part of that. Equates with it, by the way. 1 John 4, 20, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, and by the way, those are in the present active tense. If a man says this, I am continuing to love the Lord, while he is continually hating his brother, what does John say? He's a liar. The truth is not in him at all. Because you can't love God and hate one God's redeemed. You know, I spoke about this a couple of Sundays ago. Well, I don't ever. I have trouble remembering what I preached last Sunday because I get this all in my mind today. But I talked about the love is God's essence. I don't know what Sunday that was, but love is part of the essence of God. And so when we get a hold of that, that God's love is essence, His essence is love. And He is in us. That's the Word of God says that. God is in us. The Lord Jesus Christ is in us. The Spirit of God in us. When we grasp the, the meaning that God's essence is love and He is in us, then it, we, maybe we can eat more easily understand why anything that's not of love for each other or Him doesn't mesh, doesn't speak up. And if God is love in His essence and He is in us because we are born of Him, then that essence of God's love ought to show up in every direction, vertically and obeying Him, horizontally and loving each other. That essence, you know. <laughs> this is a lousy illustration. But my flesh can't resist. <laughs> Years ago, I pastored this couple. And, uh, you know, this senior age lady, she's older than I am now, that's old. And, uh, you know, she had her hair all fixed up immaculately on Sunday morning. And, you know, and I knew where they went down. I knew the lady they all went to down there. They got their hair fixed up on Friday or Saturday. And I think the third date night, she and her husband, these are godly sweet people. I love them. But their date night was on Saturday night, and they went to eat pizza. Because every, you know, they come out the door two by two like you do right here. And uh, she'd always hug me, and I'd hug her. And that woman's essence was pizza. I think it was pepperoni. <laughs> you know something? The essence of God in us ought to be that clearly distinguished, identifiable, the essence of God. 
It ought to be such that people look to, after watching us for a while and listen to us for a while or how we conduct ourselves in whatever situation, adverse or not, they always say, what is it with you? What is it about you? And they just opened the door for you to tell them what it is about you. The essence of God. Look at John, 1 John 5, 1 again. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. It's equated there like obedience. If you love a God, you're going to love those he begot because you're actually loving him in them as well as they love him in you as well, conversely. It's inseparable. The presence of either one, by the way, hear me now, the presence of either one, what am I saying? The presence of the love of God or the presence of the love for brothers is evidence of the other. That's it. The presence of either one is evidence of the other. It's inseparable. Love for God, love for the brothers. So we have a threefold test, threefold witness to our genuine conversion. It's Loving God as our Father, obeying His commandments as a lifestyle, loving our siblings in Christ Jesus as well. And that's not a work of the flesh. And it would never be accomplished by the flesh. But it's because Christ is in us, the hope of glory and the enablement for today that we can do this. We can love the Lord, our hearts will want to obey Him, and we can love each other in the process. 1 John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcometh the world. That's the, the enablement right there in that verse tells us. Whatever is born of God overcometh the world. What is the world like? The world doesn't love God. The lo- world doesn't love each other. But we are ones that love God and love each other. That shows we are overcomers. Why are we overcomers? Because we've been born of God. Whosoever is born of God. And that says whatsoever in King James, the little... Preposition called pos, it means everything, all, without exception, absolutely every single one born of God is an overcomer. Is born, that's a, one Greek word, geneo. It's a present tense passive verb. Present tense passive. What does that mean? It's action that happened in the past with an effect that continues out throughout the future. It's in the passive voice. What does that passive voice say? It means that the, the person who is born of God is the receiver of the action. The believer is the receiver. Not the actor, but the, the receiver of the action. Turn with me to uh, two very familiar passages. John chapter 3, uh, verse 3 and verse 7. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a godly man as he perceived godliness. He was a, certainly a, an esteemed leader uh, in Judaism there. And he came to Jesus by night because he didn't want his peers to see him coming and talking to this supposedly Galilean carpenter. But Nicodemus addressed him and said, Rabbi, I know you're from God. And I'd submit to you probably that's the most important evening in all of Nicodemus' whole life when he came to Jesus by night. <laughs> I can't imagine any other night being more important in his life than that. Coming to Jesus at night. Rabbi, I know you're from God. Nobody could do what you're doing unless he were from God. 
Jesus cut right across the playing field. Never even responded to that. And he said, Nicodemus, you must, except a man be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 7, you must be born again. Now, that's not new. You've known that all the time you've been in the church. But I don't want to focus on that word again. You must be born again. You must be born again. What is that word? It's a little Greek word called anathos. Anathen, A-N-O-T-H-E-N. Anathen. You know how in a dictionary, you go to Webster Dictionary, and here's the word, you plug it in there, and then they gave you three definitions or four or whatever. And the first one is the, the important one, the most important. And then the second one, not so much, but still. And you get down three, four, and five. Well, sometimes it's used this way. Okay, are you with me? You've had that experience in the dictionary, right? Okay, you know what the third definition of anathen is? Again. Again. That's the third definition. What's the most important definition? The first primary definition of anathen. It's above. Now, I don't know why they chose to use again. Nicodemus didn't use that term. He said, how, you know, how, I'm already born. How can I, you know, be, want to be born again? But that wasn't the phrase he used, but our translators used that. I don't know why. I'm not criticizing them because they did. But in essence, here's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, except a man be born from above, you'll never see the kingdom of God. You'll never enter the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, Nicodemus, you must be born from above. This is just one of the righteous opinions, okay? Might want to chuck it as soon as you go out the door. But I believe this. I believe that if we always preached it that way, it might be more clearly understood those yet to be saved, more quickly understood. Because again, sounds like something, born again, that sounds like something happens down here. Born from above takes it off the planet, right? Born from above. We must be born from above. Oh, we'll never see or enter the kingdom of God. In, John, in Luke chapter, or John chapter 19 and verse 11, Jesus is there being interrogated by Pilate. And Pilate just told him, said, look, talk to me, paraphrasing. You know I have the power of life and death over you. Jesus responded to Pilate, thou wouldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from Above. What's that word? Above. Anathen. Same word. No power except from above. That's how people are saved. Born of God. Not a power down here, but power from above. Down from the Father. Birth from above. John 1, 13. <laughs> John, I love it. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not of Blood, it's not by human descent. It has nothing to do with being a Jew or a non-Jew. Excuse me. Not by the will of the flesh. Not a human decision. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. You're wasting your breath unless you've been decided far before the foundation of the earth.
That was encouraging. I heard some amens. I've been despised for saying that in some places. Not by the will of man. It's not because we want children. It's not because of none of that. It's, it's from above. It's from God the Father. Glory to Him. The birth of a child is not the result of anything down here. It's a supernatural work of God the Father. It forever changes us forever and a day throughout all eternity. There's no going back. And I think that's in the song too. I've decided no going back. Well, you know why you say that? no going back? You can't go back. <laughs> Once you're born from above, you can't be unborn from above. What you didn't earn with your good behavior, you can't lose it by your bad behavior. But the Lord will kick you in the seat of your spiritual pants if you don't behave. <laughs> you know, our regeneration... And the conception of Jesus in the virgin's womb, done by the same person, the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God came upon the Virgin Mary, and she conceived a man-child, Christ the Lord. He came upon us, and we became a man-child or a woman-child of God. That's the birth from above. And once we've been able to by the new birth, we are enabled to do some things we've never done before. Ephesians says, by grace you're saved through faith, not or not ourselves, is a gift of God. That's right. What can we do now? We can savingly believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, and then, wow, we feel differently about things. We love the Lord. It's welling up in us, and we want to obey His commandments. And then John says in verse 5, 4, all born ones, all born of God ones are overcomers, period, all of them. Overcomers, nikaios, linked to nike, means to conquer, supreme, overcome, prevail. It's a present tense active indicative. Present tense means continuing to overcome. We're continuing overcomers. All of us, not one exception, that are born of God. That indicative voice says it's a statement of fact. John's saying there is no doubt about this. Those of us that have been born of God are continually overcoming. We're continuing as overcomers. What are we overcoming? The world. What is the world out there? Well, the world is that world system, Greek words cosmos, that's a world system constituting all the values, beliefs, morals, etc., that are distinctive to and rebellion against God's will. This is the victory. The word victory is Nike, N I K E. You've seen that. Altogether different, but uh, you've seen it. Faith is, pistis, it means faith in the gospel, faith in the person of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we are, born of God, by the will of God, because we've been born from above, now we're overcomers down here on the planet. We're overcomers of the world that encompasses this planet, this system 
we're overcomers because of the will of God, choosing us, choosing us before the foundation of the earth, and here we are birthed to life in the Lord Jesus Christ, and all of us without exception are overcomers. Let's take a close look at that now. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth, 5-5 five, five is a verse. And Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. And John, with that verse, takes us right back up to 5 1. He said, Who is whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is born of God? So you put those two together, Son of God and the Christ, you have what? You have exactly the testimony of the Apostle Peter. And Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter responded, Thou art to Christ, the Son of the living God. What did Jesus say to him? The world didn't give you that. <laughs> God gave you that. I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, if we read carefully and think carefully about the words in Scripture, it'll sure create in us Hearts of gratitude. Thou art to Christ, the Son of the living God. The world didn't give us that, but God in His mercy and grace gave our wretched souls that when He birthed us from above. The devils have the same confession, not salvific, but they have the same confession. Jesus is casting out devils in verse Luke 4.41. Devils who also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. He rebuked them, told them to keep their mouths shut, because they knew He was Christ. The devils know who He is. The world out there doesn't. The elect out there will. And we in here do know that He is the Christ. So Peter was numbered in this vast number that are overcomers. And all the devils know who they're overcome by. And that power, the power, whatsoever, whosoever, everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Notice he doesn't talk about the person, the man, woman, boy, or girl as being the victor. He says this is the victory. What is the victory? Our faith. And the revelation says they overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. This is our testimony. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe that to the saving of our souls. And thus we're overcomers. Birth from above. Birth from above. Delivered from the dominion of darkness down here that encompasses the globe. Transferred into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, as opposed to the kingdom of darkness under the dominion of the devil. Colossians 1.13 says that delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us in the kingdom of his son. And Jesus said in John 16.33, you're going to have trouble in the world, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 4.4, 1 John. You're of God, little children. You're of God-born ones and have overcome them, those out there, because greater is he that is in you that is he that is in the world. 
Jesus said, I've overcome the world. We don't have any question of that, do you? And here we are in him, and he is in us, and we're overcomers because of that relationship. Thus, we're overcomers. Our position in Christ Jesus makes us overcomers. And if we're not in Christ Jesus, we are overcome as of yet, but we're not overcomers <laughs> because of him. You feel like an overcomer? <laughs> Do you really? You know, say, well, you know, sometimes on Mondays, not so much. <laughs> and maybe it's more so but Wednesday and Thursday. The glorious truth is this. It doesn't matter how you feel if you're in Christ Jesus, Lord. You are an overcomer. You're not under the dominion of darkness. I don't care how low you feel and how gloomy your Monday is. You're not under the dominion of darkness. We're in the kingdom of light. Blood bought to be in the kingdom of light. Well, since we're overcomers, <laughs> what have we already overcome? What have we got to deal with as overcomers? Now, first of all, as overcomers, we've overcome the disabling doctrines of the disbelieving out there, and there are hordes of them. And say, well, you know, I don't really believe all that stuff. How, have you had that said to you a lot? I have. You know, witnessing to people, the encounter witnesses here and there. You know, I remember witnessing the guy in a men's room in a restaurant in Dallas. He said, well, I don't really believe all that. I said, well, the good news is that has nothing to do with the truth of what I'm telling you. And it doesn't. But they don't believe it. We believe it. We've overcome that. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus is the Christ in the flesh, come in the flesh is not of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist. They're everywhere. More coming. You're of God, little children. You've overcome the spirit of Antichrist. Those that are out there now, those that will come, you have overcome them because of your position in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, full of the scripture, walking with him, you'll never be deceived by them because you're an overcomer in Christ the Lord. Then there's false prophets and false Christ. We're not going to be deceived by them either. We are overcomers. Somewhere in my files, God help me with my files, I have a full-page ad, newspaper ad, big page like this. A gentleman in Dallas gave me decades ago, and it's, he was traveled all over the world with his company. And it was a full-page ad he cut out of a newspaper in this wherever country he was, and it was announcing that the Christ has come. He's here now, da-da-da-da-da-da, and all this stuff. He said, Bratcher, I thought you'd be interested in this. And I said, I am. I want to keep it. And he gave it to me. Now, if I hadn't been an overcomer, I might want to sickle down there and check it out, right? <laughs> God's mercy and grace is so rich on us, it's like a blanket of glory, man. Do you know there's another aspect of being an overcomer? A very practical aspect. Verse John chapter 2, 16, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We have to deal with that. We're overcomers. We're in Christ. We don't have to be overcome by anything. We don't have to submit to being overcome, period, by anything. But we've got to deal with this personally. Individually, daily, we've got to deal with it. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. 
private life. Every believer on the planet has to deal with the pull of the world against their souls. Don Blamire, James Blamire, whatever his name, Blamire is his last name, wrote a book decades ago, The Battle for the Mind. That's what the world is after, your mind. And we have to deal with that. It's just like the magnetic north. Everything points. <laughs> it's like that. The world pulls us. And any person that would say to you, no, I'm not pulled by the word, world is deceived. We're all, in some way or another, affected by that. And we can look around us and look at each other <laughs> and see the impact of the world. Individual believers, uh, as, as us, and then churches, whole churches. For, and it's different for different people. For some, it's accumulating more and more money or more and more stuff, more and more property, more and more whatever. Just that next whatever, that next whatever. Bigger house, more expensive cars, whatever. For others, it's the latest fashions. Wow, what a multi-billion dollar industry just in the fashion world, always introducing new fashions. You know, there's the, the wide lapels and the narrow lapels, the wide ties, the narrow ties, the this, the that, and the other, you know. The latest fashions. And that pulls, because we always want to be in fashion, right? Who would ever think, would you ever think in a millennium that someone would pay a hundred plus dollars for jeans that had slits all across them and the knees out of them, ragged from top to bottom? A hundred plus dollars. My mama wouldn't have let me wear those to school. And if she, if she said, you're going to work in the field with those, son, and she'd have patched them before she let me go to the field with them. A hundred and something dollars. Oh, but it's the book, preacher. It's the look. Oh, the look is important, is it? In some of the latest fashions, reveal a little bit more that I think God wants to show. You know, I'm no one's judge, but good grief. I was looking on Waverly's Facebook pages up still, and I was cruising around on it a couple of days ago, and I saw this with this woman whom I know. I know her. I knew her mom and daddy. I know her husband. I know his mom and daddy. I know the whole gang. I've known them for years. I know the values of the parents that raised these, this young mother now and her husband. And the girls, this young mother's father's now dead in heaven. But she was posting pictures of her beautiful daughter in her new prom dress. And that thing was short. And the neckline was unbelievably low. She's taking these pictures with her bow. She's posting them about her beautiful daughter. Without getting too plain with this, I would just say this. There's no way in God's earth that young man is going to be able to look at that young woman in the eyes most of the night. And I want to pick up my phone and call her and say, 
what's going on there? Then I heard that sweet voice of my wife Waverly saying, Ray, stay out of that. <laughs> Bless her heart. <laughs> stay out of that, Ray. Well, what is with that? My daughter, my youngest daughter, sitting right there. I've got one of her prom dresses still in the closet at home. There's more fabric in that prom dress. There's enough fabric there to make four of those dresses I saw. <laughs> you know what? You can say, well, you know, you're just an old fuddy-duddy Baptist pastor, preacher, whatever. Get with it. That's okay with me. I don't like it, and I don't believe God does either. You know, I'm almost 80 years of age. I don't have any trouble yet distinguishing between boys and girls. <laughs> I mean, I know you're a woman. You don't have to show me so much stuff to show me that you're a female, okay? What is that? That's the pull of the world. Those type of values didn't come out of this, ladies and gentlemen. It didn't. It never has, never will. Another thing, who would have ever thought that Pee Wee Herman would become an icon, fashion icon for men's suits? <laughs> What's with that? The world. The world. And a lot of those designers are a little bit different. That's my opinion. <laughs> All that are born of God have overcome the world. And the pull is real. You know what we need to reveal to the world? That the pull of our Father is greater still. Amen. And it's transforming us. And is transforming us. And will transform us continually because we're continuing to be an overcomer of the world. So on a practical level, we got to be careful, ladies and gentlemen. You know, a sermon or two ago, I kept pointing out, he saved us for his namesake, for his namesake, for his glory, for his namesake. That's why we are here still. Now, sure, we got families, and we're mamas and daddies and granddaddies and all of this, and I love all of that. But then the pure, holy economy of God we're here still for his honor, praise, and glory. And it matters what we value, treasure, and seek after in this life. It matters what we demonstrate in this life. And our essence <laughs> ought to be real, really evident. The essence of the love of God in us. And the essence of our love for God in us and the essence of our love for each other in us, and the essence of, our, of his love in us that loves his value system and loves to obey him in all things. God give us grace to do that. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else, just that. To walk through this world system lockstep with our Father and our God. Lord, I love you. <laughs> I do.
And Lord, uh, to use Paul's words, I'm grateful that you appointed this role of foolishness of preaching. <laughs> well, I guess I qualify for that, Lord, by calling and by demeanor, I guess. But Lord, it's your glory that we desire. It's your purpose being fulfilled in our lives, Lord, that we really want. The world pulls at us, but when we, wait, wait a minute, no, we want your pull, Lord, to supersede, to be victorious over it all. That we, we, Father, individually and corporately as a body of Christ, can be clearly, distinctly seen as yours in every encounter, in every locale, until you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.